males are born, men are built. This is the Great Man Podcast, where we want you to build great men as you allow other men to build you. Join New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, along with seasoned leaders of men, as we bring a wide range of experience and expertise to help you become the great man you are designed to be. Gentlemen, let us begin. Great Man Podcast. My name is Anthony Flemons. I'm here with Jay Kim. Jay Kim. And we're going to be chopping up a little bit of what uh, Stephen had to talk about. But just as a concept and who we are, we are here in hopes of leaving better men. And we want to address some of the concepts around manhood, masculinity, some of the issues around it, uh, some of the places where we fall continuously where we fall all the time. And then we also want to talk about some of the victories that we have uh, as men and how to celebrate those. But today, yes. today I'm sitting here with Jay Kim. Now, Jay, <laughs> you just you just had a, a little bit of an adventure, man, last, what, eight or 10 days? Yeah, 10 days. Yeah, and so, what'd you do, man? I had to work a conference in South Africa. So yeah. we're in Cape Town, beautiful Cape Town. And uh, my wife got to go, which was great. Nice. Yeah. Outside of the days I was working you know, I think I had four days in the city. Yeah. Which was nice. What nice. And and you, uh, it was mostly work, man. And you were telling me about one time that you had to stay up, what, 20-something hours getting some video ready for, yeah. uh, for, the, for the event because one of the guys couldn't make it or couldn't one, get a one visa. One of the speakers couldn't get his visa. So his team recorded a, a video message yeah. the night before. And so it stayed up till 5 a.m. with the other editor just getting it together. And yeah. we had started the day at 7 a.m. So it was a whole 22 hours. Jeez, dude. Is a visa man something <laughs> that you get like to go to every country if you're not? It depends on the rules of where you, you know, your country. So, so it's where you originate. Yeah. That decides if you need a visa. to go. It's also South Africa's rule. So, so if you're coming for the U S you can go without a visa. Got it. Um, just to visit. And if you're coming from like an Asian country, you have to, Actually, you only have you have to apply for your visa 30 days before you travel. OK, which is so it kind can't of, be something that you could put out of the way six months in advance. Yeah. It's got to be current to your visit, depending on the country you're into. So. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, we, we stayed up till 5 a.m. that night. <laughs> nice, man. And then you got uh, got four hours of sleep and we're back at it. Back at it. Cool, yeah. man. Well, I know it's a lot of fun, man. And I haven't had a chance to go that direction, man. Anywhere close to that, actually. And I know that it's something that our larger group we do in South Africa every number of years. Um, we do our, we have a world conference every three years okay. in a different country. Gotcha. So look, we did it in South Africa in 2016 and then, you know, in Florida 2019 and then back in South Africa yeah. and then we're going to go to Manila. So we're cool. We're always looking for a different country to. So you took your bride it. with you yep. uh, when you went over there. Yep. Her first time in South Africa. Yeah. Did you experience anything, man, extraordinary, or was it just the food and the man, it's and the, the event? It's one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Just white beaches, beautiful, clear blue waters, and then you look over your shoulder and there's Table Mountain. And yeah. it's, there's a huge amount of affluence, but there is a diversity. It's like a melting pot. Yeah. So you'll see both sides. And where where they converge is a very kind of... Uh, this it's it's really really um a fascinating and beautiful city yeah in in all aspects 
Well, cool, man. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing principles versus emotions. And is there a battle really going on between principles and emotions? I mean, I guess we'll get into that a bit. But, you know, emotionally, were you raised to be an emotional kid? No, no, no. Yeah, It was I think I heard my mom. My mom was very affectionate, but like in general, they were very Korean about yeah. it emotionally. I remember growing up, man, just and and I've told you a little bit about my past and the listeners. But, you know, growing up in a household, man, where it was very violent, uh, there was uh, abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, you know, mental abuse, just all these different abuses going on. So I tried to I guess when I was growing up, man, I tried to tune into emotional triggers and things for the people around me because it was the way that I kept safe. And so I don't know if that's characteristic of of a lot of guys, but it's characteristic for me. And it followed me into life, man, always over examining things and always seeing things through those wounds that I had. So I'm always constantly watching and seeing how everyone's vibrating around me or what emotion they're, they're exhibiting. So I can, I guess, direct my way through it and keep peace. Uh, so I know that that's one of the, one of the things that we struggle with when we look at emotions, because we don't always know how to handle them. And as yeah. guys, man, we're taught <laughs> a lot of times that we have two emotions, maybe three, but one of them is anger. Mm-hmm. Any, any setting a guy's in and you get angry and you act out and you do something foolish, man, generally people go, oh, okay, you know, he's a tough guy. He's this, he's that, he's a loose cannon, but it's, it's pretty much appreciated. And then you can be foolish, laughter, making jokes, being the clown that'll get appreciated real fast. Do you agree with that or, or no? Nah. Yeah. I, I think that is something that I bought into. Yeah. But I, I don't believe it at all. Especially, you know, having lived my life kind of hiding my emotions, recognizing all the complexity that comes with being a man. You know, it's it's not just anger. It's not just foolishness. There's there's all different ways we even express our pain in different ways. Yeah. So I, I feel like human beings, we just have a huge range of emotions that we, you know, can express. It's just guys... Socially, the socially acceptable ones to express are kind of limited. They are. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to talk about a bit. So socially accepted emotions for men, what do you think they are? I know that anger is one. I know that, you know, foolishness and just being joyous is another. Is there another emotion that you feel comfortable just exhibiting out there in the world, man? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, does foolishness like does that encompass? Man. I don't know, joyous, being yeah. rambunctious, being uh, kind of charismatic, overtly, you know, yeah, humorous, yeah. those kinds of things. I think that emotionally, I don't know what emotions that I would tie to that, but there is an emotion that goes along with it—the joy and 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 uh, uh, just bombastic kind of personality that you exhibit. So I don't know if that's even an emotion. I don't know. So <laughs> it's so difficult being conditioned the way we are, or the way I was raised, at least that we're. I can't even tell you what the emotions are I'm feeling. Like, yes. I can't express it in words. I just know that I'm feeling emotion. Yeah. And you mentioned that in your house, man, that sometimes you'll exhibit some kind of emotion and your wife will look at you and say, what? Yeah. She, she'd look at me. She'd go like, what, what's going on yeah. in your mind right now? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I've never, I've never broken this down. I've never analyzed what exactly is happening inside. I just know that I got the feels. 
for a yeah. little bit, you know, but she's just fascinated. She wants to learn like, what is that? Cause I don't see that often, yeah. you know, and I want to know how to respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so for me, man, emotionally, I don't know. I think I'm, I think that I'm pretty in touch with mm-hmm. several emotions. Am I in touch with emotional, you know, health and all that thing in general? I'm going to say I'm probably a five out of 10, man. But just growing up the way that I did, I know that I was kind of overly thoughtful of how people were feeling and thinking. But, you know, Stephen said something curious in this last week's podcast. He said emotions are good, but they're just not meant to be primary. Yeah, they can't be the 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 direction. They can't be the roadmap, the Google Maps to get you where you need to go. But you do have to pay attention to them, like sharp curve, uh, lane merging. It's information and feedback about what's going on, what you're perceiving, and it gives off an emotion. Yeah, it's important in in that way. If we don't want our emotions to govern our our minds and lead us to like identify what we're feeling. You know, and I think that's what we're talking about. I was just brought to mind because you were mentioning how my wife asks me questions. Those are very important questions that I don't ask myself enough, you know, but when you identify, you don't have answers to I don't have the answers. I like, I had no idea what that is, but like, if I knew what that was, or if I knew what, what it was that when I felt frustrated or angry or insecure, like if I can identify that, it helps me then to go in and, and govern that with principle and say like that, well, this doesn't, this is not going to override, you know, my brain. Yeah. What I'm saying too, man, is we have all these different emotions. And as men, I know that we, we feel, obviously we feel, but when we express what it is that we're feeling, I think we've come accustomed or been conditioned to only express it. Like Steven said, as in anger, if I'm disappointed, I'm not disappointed. I'm angry. If my feelings are hurt, my feelings are hurt. I'm angry. If I'm embarrassed, I'm angry. And we get to a place where we're just angry men all the time because it's the only safe place that we realize that we can express this and people will listen and respond to it. But how do you how do you feel, you know, diminished or how do you feel insecure about a thing and communicate that? And what good does it do to communicate it if it does any good? I don't know. (laughs) Help me out, man. I think, I think being able to identify it is it's sort of like when something's left in the shadows, you know, it's got power, but when you put it in the light, you realize what it is, right? You can, you can then go, Oh, it's plain and clear. I'm feeling this because, and, and then, you know, through therapy or, or just self-examination, you can say, I'm feeling this way because this happened as a child. Or, or because of this is what my coach said to me or my dad said to me. Yeah. And when you identify that, you kind of, it, it no longer has that power to trigger your fight or flight and overpower your principle. We, we do something called a conquer series with guys. And uh, in there, there's, they, they go through the science of the brain. It's very overgeneralized, but right. in general, there's a part of your brain that governs everything, your prefrontal cortex, it's kind of like the brakes. It's, it's the rational yeah. thought. It's the thing that stops you from running into a wall. So I would, I would kind of equate that to principle things gotcha. that, you know, th- this, these are the things that we, we, you know, our lives are kind of run by. Right. We live by this. We desire to live up to this thing. This is what's going to govern my performance and my behavior. Then you have the fight or flight 
area, the limbic system. And depending on, you know, how abused your prefrontal cortex is and how strong the, the fight or flight is, it'll overtake your prefrontal cortex. And then you'll end up acting out in ways that you normally wouldn't. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, man. And I remember when you mentioned that because these these things do marry together, mm-hmm. uh, the prefrontal cortex and, and all those things as opposed to our principles. But principles that we live by and emotions that we struggle with, you know, one of my greatest emotions, I guess, has always been anger, man. And I grew up and I sold drugs as a young guy, man. And I remember being in situations where the only the only thing that I felt like was going to work was to get angry, get crazy. And I know that when you were growing up, man, that you dealt with a medical condition that you said was like being an open nerve all the time, like whatever brushed up against it, it caused a reaction. Yeah. And, you know, our emotions are great, man, but I'm not sure that I even know how to name what I'm feeling when I have an emotion. And my wife, she'll ask from time to time, you know, if I'm sitting watching a movie or if I'm thinking about something and most generally, what's my answer when my wife asks me, you know, what's going on? Nothing. 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 You know, and what? how was your day today at work? And there's a whole gamut of emotions and activities that have gone on during that day. But she goes, how's your day? And I go, it was great or it was bad. But I never get into the details. And I don't know why that is about men like or, or about this man. I can't speak for men in general. But we don't delve into the details of how it is that we're feeling. So we don't we're not able to really describe what it is we're feeling. It's kind of a catch 22, because a lot of times what we're feeling is a reaction to, you know, old trauma, old hurt, things that are undealt with and are emotionally. And this this instinct, this sort of like conditioning to not even acknowledge it. Yeah. And to not even to just push it down is a reaction to like, I want to avoid this pain. I want to avoid this pain, so I'm not going to deal with the emotions that are coming up. But to deal with the old pain and the old hurt and to go through it that we learned in therapy, we learn in, you know, we learn doing uh, life together with other guys and is that that it's necessary to once you feel the emotion to go back and analyze, like, where is this coming from? You know, where where did I believe a lie in my life as a kid? Wherever there is a wound. Yeah. There's a lie that gets initiated or gets planted. And we have a choice at that point, whether we believe that lie and ride with it and let it kind of guide our lives or it gets addressed and we fight against that lie with the truth. Yeah. So go keep, keep going. I think, well, I I gotta say that there's also good emotion, but I'm talking specifically about the negative emotions that come up based on a past experience that we haven't dealt with. Yeah. And, uh, when it's not dealt with, the emotion that comes out tends to define us. You know, there's that kind of analogy that like once I start being defensive and I start or if there was a time when I would just, you know, my wife and I were dating, I would turn against her and I would be very defensive. Yeah. And what that was, was that was a 12 year old coming out to the surface. So that 12 year old experience now becomes an emotion that has now led me for through most of my life, you know, rather than a principle. It was just an emotional reaction to past trauma, past pain. Do you have principles, man, general principles that you live your life by? I've never written them down. Yeah. You know, but the, you know, this week it was kind of like the first time I 
thought them through and you know, dig, like, in, dig in there and just pull yeah. one out. What, like, what's one of your non-negotiables or principles that you live by? I mean, obviously the one I talk about a lot is always turn towards your wife and explain that a bit in any kind of discussion or she brings up anything. My natural instinct is to, if, if it feels like I got to fix it, you know, instead of going that route, yeah, I hear what she has to say. I reflect it back and, you know, I hear what she says. I say it back to her. I let her know that I heard it and that this is a safe place where she can talk to me about it. Yeah. You know, and then I can give her advice or whatever, but first it got to turn towards and instead of just starting off with like, oh, actually that's nothing. Yeah. That's a nothing thing you're thinking. Here's the solution. Now let's move on. Yeah. Let's get, get by, you know, like turning towards slowing down and being able to say like, Hey, what you're feeling is valid. And I want to, I want you to feel safe to come to me with stuff like this. Yeah. Do you feel like man, that some of the principles that we build in our lives come out of like negative incidents or negative relationships or negative things that come our way? Do you think we build like principles for our life in contrast to a thing like for me, my dad wasn't around. So from my very youngest age, man, I remember saying when I grow up and I get married, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to always be present for my kids. And no matter how hard it gets in my marriage, we're going to work it out. And I want to stay present not only for my kids, but for my wife. So one of the principles that I live by is that divorce is not an option for me. And I'm going to be present there with my children and with my wife, no matter how hard the work is. Now, I can't do it by myself. So if I got to a, a situation where uh, my wife wasn't willing to work, then we would have to reassess it. But for me, that is one of the principles that I live by, that I'm going to be there. I'm gonna, a good man will stand by his family, by his wife when it's hard and work through the pain of figuring out what it is that's driving us apart. Yeah, I think I, I think that's getting wisdom from a bad experience, you know, but like principles, developing principles are, I think, yeah, they could be, they could come from a bad experience, but they could also come from, you know, just a positive. So one for me, even with that principle, man, one of the emotions that'll come in there and try to fight against that principle mm -hmm. is this whole idea of, of abandonment or um, not measuring up, not being good enough. And when any of those things pop up in my marriage, like I can perceive something, not necessarily that she says it, but she says something and it rubs me in a way that says, oh, you don't measure up or, or there's some negative thing from my past or, oh man, this is abandonment. It feels like she's not uh, including me into this. And then all of a sudden I can begin to work off of that emotion rather than this principle that I've laid down. And I know that it wipes across my entire life, but I have to stop in that moment and think about what is it that I'm reacting to? Because if I can stop long enough, man, to think it through, I can find that place where I can see the reaction is to one of these things that hadn't been fulfilled in my life. So it stops me from reacting to the emotion and takes me back to my principle to say, how is it that we can discuss this? Maybe we need to wait to a time when it's quieter or whatever it is, but we have to get this out. Actually, when you're, when you were mentioned before, like it, it does tend to be, we learn what is right from the wrong things that happen to us mm. or, or the things that we do ourselves. 
And it kind of lends to this contrast of like the negative emotions that can squash or overpower those right. principles that we have. So for me, turning towards my wife, I feel like if if I if I feel triggered enough in my own insecurity yeah. of never feeling being made felt stupid or less than, you know, I can then go in and turn against my wife and use that kind of like against her and be like, you can't you can't you know, make me feel this way ever again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Instead of opening my heart to her and being, you know, the man that I, I need to be for her. Mm, got it. You know, you said something, man, make you feel stupid or, or do you ever deal with that in your workplace? Like you are so guarded against not making you feel stupid, but finding out in your head, that this is the way I process it sometimes finding out that I am stupid. Like I've already made this decision in my head that I don't know this or I don't know that. So I don't want anybody to find this out. So you put put up some kind of protective thing and it and it gets into kind of last week's podcast a bit. The imposter syndrome. The imposter yeah. syndrome, man, because you're always on guard for that. But do you have a principle that deals with that at work? Bro, that's my entire career. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I learned, so I went to film school and everybody like, they're like, oh, wow, you went to this prestigious film school. Yeah. You're doing exactly what you studied. And I'm like, what I studied was I filmed on 16 millimeter reversal film on a camera from the 1970s. Yeah. I then had it processed and I edited using a razor blade and a, and, and <laughs> and some, a press. Yeah. And some, some uh, splicing tape yeah. and, a, and a grease pencil. And that's how I edited my movies. And that's what I was professionally trained to do. <laughs> so it's basically useless. Yes. Well, not useless. I mean, the principles are all there, but and the talent and the ability to tell story is there. It's just I'm working in After Effects now. Like yeah. that that was something that like I kind of claimed I could do. Yeah. And so, then when I had to do it, I had to learn. I had to teach myself to do it on the internet. So are you constantly feeling like you don't know enough at work? Or do you feel like I'm the smartest guy in the room. How, how do you feel at work? It's kind of floating at the peak of my competence. Yeah. And, and just sort of trying to maintain the appearance that I belong there. Yeah. And eventually I'll learn, I learned enough about After Effects where I became the motion graphics guy. And right. I could do all the After Effects things. But with the beginning, <laughs> it's like, you guys need to hire an After Effects artist because I can't do any of this. Is, right. what, is what I said. And then after a while, I, t I, you know, I taught myself. So knowing that you feel that way, that you're always kind of operating at the peak of your abilities, like what principle do you have a principle that guards you emotionally feeling insecure and incapable of this? Do you have a, a principle? And it's fine if you don't, but I'm curious if you have one in place to check yourself against. Well, the one I just wrote down. <laughs> because I've never actually defined my principles before. Yeah. Uh, the one I just wrote down was a good man always is learning. Mm, that's and a great one, man. Because, because my initial thing of like that, that childhood feeling of you're never going to make me feel this way again. I'm never going to feel that pain again. Yeah. It turned into a thing where it hurt me professionally. Yeah. Where someone would give me feedback and I'd be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> this is why you're wrong. I'll tell you all these reasons. Like what I did was perfect and your feedback is wrong. Right. And, you know, graciously, my employer let me work that out, you know. And so mm. now it's an issue of like, you know, like, oh, crap, this guy was right. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, is, this actually makes it better. One of my greatest like work emotions is 
this sense that I'm not as good as a next guy because I haven't gone to university. I haven't gone to college. And man, even after all of these years, man, all of these years and the people that have told me how senseless it is and how, you know, they'd much rather have someone that can actually put their hands to a thing and operate it. I still feel a sense that someone has something or is in possession of more than I'm in possession of because they went to a four year college, man. And so I'm always fighting against this. And a lot of for a lot of years, it kept me quiet in rooms where there were CEOs and CFOs and people with high degrees. And it kept me quiet when they would ask questions until I put a principle in place that I will answer honestly without the angst of being found out that I'm not educated. Like if I feel like I have the answer, no matter how much weight there is on me to, to not appear like I don't know, if I have the answer, I'm going to speak the answer. And that's a principle that I put into place that keeps me from being quiet in rooms with the leaders, man. And it's been advantageous for me in this field. It's been advantageous to me uh, sitting in rooms with leaders for men, leaders for business, that if you know a thing and you feel like it could be helpful to this discussion, then say it. Yeah. And it's also because every industry, every field that we're in, every every arena that we go into as leaders, you know, family, family men, you know, spiritually, they're always evolving. They're mm, always changing. That's true. You know, and it's some of the principles remain the same. So the basics of running a camera for me are there from, you know, shooting on film and now shooting 4K, 6K, whatever else it, it, the the principles of photography remain the same but the technology has now gotten to a point where i have to learn how to use a new camera every time a new one comes out or once you feel like you're an expert in something a brand new technology comes out and you have to figure that out so i feel like college is i mean you get you get out of college what you put in sure but Honestly, especially my field, it's not necessary. <laughs> it's just a thing, man, that I saw everybody do. Yeah. And I felt like that that was the place that you, the next step that you took if you were going to be successful. Yeah. And obviously I took a lot of wrong turns, but I don't even remember in my household someone offering, hey, let's get you to college. How can we create yeah. a space for you in college? What can we do to to provide some money or how, let me show you how to get some money to go to college? I don't even remember that happening in my household, man. So I guess it's just a thing that was out there, like a carrot that I could never mm-hmm. reach. And I just always wanted to reach and get it. And I haven't yeah. done it. But you'll never see a CEO or a leader being like, yeah, we got through this hard time because <laughs> yeah. I learned this in college. Yeah, they in economics. No, it was like because of my experience in the industry, not because of a principle that I learned in business school. You know, it's kind of unique, man, when Stephen described emotions and principles, man, as two horses you know, Mm -hmm. pulling one carriage. And if they are not in agreement, if they're not going the same direction, man, that could be a horrendous moment when those two horses split. And I know that there's equipment that where they bridle the horses together to force them to run in the same direction, man. But what's your thoughts on that, dude? I thought that was pretty cool when he said that. Yeah. I I think they're often running in different directions because they're usually opposite principles. Mm -hmm. Well, not the principle is the opposite of what the emotion wants to take. Right. When the principle is governing, both horses are ro- are going in the same direction. The emotion is now a byproduct of the noble things that we're doing. Mm. 
But when the emotions taken control, I feel like it just broke the bridle and left principle behind and just went full speed in that direction. Turns you over. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's sort of sort of how your brain is overpowered when you're feeling fight or flight or you're feeling something rather strongly. What's another principle that you live your life by that you feel like another guy might appreciate? So I, I got written down here. Always be mindful of what goes into my brain through mm. the eyes and my ears and limit or eliminate anything that might be might scintillate or draw me somewhere that's not a noble place man that's a huge principle yeah like you know for for guys it's often you know that that second look when you see a lady walk by the first look we know is instinct the second look we say is sin you know so avoiding (laughs) that second look you know and just or to the point where like you know something isn't going to affect you, but you don't want to take that into your spirit. You want to take that into your soul. You know, yeah. you want to keep that out of your brain totally. So I watch some things on, on TV that like don't affect me at all, but I would rather not. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I don't watch them. I always wanted to watch Game of Thrones. And so I would watch, I watched the little bit of the first season. I'm like, no, I can't do it. No, this can't go into my brain. Yeah. I remember feeling the same way and I've never watched a whole episode of Game of Thrones, but I remember watching five or 10 minutes of it and going, "Mm, I'm not going to watch this. You know, one of the principles that I work with, because I work with a lot of people is I never return a flirtatious remark to another female, to a female other than my wife. Yes, good one. Because I know that it's an open door. And what it what it really makes me remember, man, is, you know, growing up and I grew up with a group of guys, man, that were were very loose sexually, man. I mean, we were out there and I told him I wasn't going to cheat on my girlfriend. And the guy says, so let me let me let me ask you this. You're in a room and a girl strips down naked. You're going to tell me that you're not going to do anything. And I said, if I'm in a room with a woman that I allow to strip down naked, I've already made my decision of what I'm going to do. Because if I had a principal in in place, I would leave that scene before she gets a chance to get naked. Yeah, A lot of times we we hear those stories like, oh, how could I avoid Mm -hmm. this? And it's like you shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. And I think that's the principle. It's like, don't even be there. Right. It's if you want to limit that. Don't even be in a situation where it would happen. Yeah. You know, do you have another like leading principle, anything that you might want to share that you live your life by? Now, this one's tough for me, but I wrote down always a good man is always truthful. Mm. You know, there are times where I'm asked my opinion and I give it truthfully, but there's always, you know, like there's always that temptation to embellish or to lie or to, or to not be honest with my hours or, you know, not be honest, you know, with my wife or, or family. Not be honest if you think that your boss is going to disagree with what you, what you have to say. Yeah. Cause there's that pressure too. Yeah. And I, I used to do this in a, in a harsh way. <laughs> it What's was, that? I'll just be brutally honest. Uh-huh. And kind of, that's my brand. I'm the, I'm the gruff New Yorker in the mm. room. You know what I mean? I'll just tell you how You're it proud is. of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to BS you. I'm going to tell you what what's on my mind. Yeah. But now speaking the truth in with love, which being the truth with gentleness, but always be truthful. Mine, I have one that's very similar and it's stated about the same way, but it's a good man will live a, 
honest life. You'll live an honest life. And it, it won't be separated from the way that you work to the way that you raise your kids, to the way that you interact with your friends, to strangers, to to finding something and you see somebody drop it and you just put your foot on it. Like it, it, it wipes across my entire life that I will live an honest life. And some of our principles, man, are actually built by our faith. Yeah. And that's one of the principles that's built by my faith is that I will live a life of honor. I'll be honest. I'll do things that are for the greater good. Yeah. And the important thing about principle is it's also like, you can never go too far with it Mm. in in the sense of like, there are things in life, like professionally that come up where it's like, Hey, you can actually take that. It's fine. Like everybody is going to take that with them. Right. That thing is free for us. And I'm like, is it really like, well, not officially, but we can grab that and take it home. Yeah. Like that's okay. I don't, I don't know. Like pen. Yeah. Pen or something. And I'll be like, who's that meant for? Yeah. And I'm very strict (laughs) about it. I'm like, that's not meant for me. I'm not supposed to take one, you know, or, or yeah. Certain things where they're like, Hey, you know, just use your per diem for whatever you want. You know what I mean? Kind of things like that. I do. Or, you know, I worked, I'm be super honest. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but uh, a previous job when I, you know, when I didn't have this principle at all, uh, when it came time to get reimbursed for, you know, work travel and everything like that, like yeah. I, I put everything I spent on there, yeah, you know, and I would find a way to twist it to justify getting paid for something that isn't technically something. Yeah. But I'm not going to say where yeah. or when this happened. <laughs> but, but I mean, I feel like that kind of thing, even to like taking home office supplies and stuff like that, it's sort of holding to that principle is you can't be strict enough about it. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that one because we have pins that we provide for my staff at work and we're constantly buying these pins. We're constantly running out of these pins and probably every five or six weeks, man, I'll look around and I have 30 or 40 of these pins in my car or in my bag and I get them and I rubber band them all together and I take them back and I, put them out. But some of that stuff, man, just happens. Like you gather these things around you uh, when you work with them every day and you end up taking them home. But the other one is, man, I need a a ream of paper for the printer at home. Mm. Will I take it from work or will I stop at Walgreens and get one? Yeah. And man, you know, those are moments, man, that we have to be governed by principle rather than by the emotion of it's easier. I'll just grab it. You know, I put a lot of work into this company. I'll just take what I need. Yeah. And so those things happen. I think also the, for me, it was the influence of my wife. Yeah. Too. Cause there was something I thought was totally, I was totally entitled to, you know, whenever I go to a hotel, I would use the, the body wash shampoo and conditioner. And I realized the next day they just put brand new one in there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I'm not done with these. I'll just put these in my bag. Yeah. And by the time I was done every day from that trip, I'd have a whole ton <laughs> of shampoo, conditioner and body wash. And do so you like, think that's wrong? <laughs> like my wife, when she came to visit me and I opened a drawer and it was just full of these hotel, hotel size. Shampoos she was like, and- she's like, this is wrong. It's yeah. dishonest. And I was like, no, it's not. I'm entitled to that. But now I don't do it because she's usually there to be like, don't do that. You know, one of the things that, and we're going to get ready to wrap up, but but one of the things that really struck me was Stephen's suggesting that we should learn 
how we work mm. emotionally, learn our triggers, learn in what situations we feel this way or what causes this. And it's a little bit on the vein that you talked about, about naming these emotions, but just learning how to identify what emotion we're even feeling and be able to express that or be able to communicate that to someone that wants to listen, man. And that's a great exercise for all of you that are listening, man, is is when you are in this place and if you are someone that has been kind of overridden by your emotions, a thing that I say to myself and I say that to men around me and I've taught my kids this, that, you know, your emotions are legitimate. They are there to guide you and to keep you on the road of life, but they are not directional. They cannot lead you to the place where you need to go. So there is value in in understanding and realizing your emotions, but you can go from feeling on top of the world and elated to being completely down and depressed in the span of 15 seconds, depending on what you get from the outside. Yeah. Feelings change dramatically. And so they, they are a result of things that are impacting you in your life. So if, if I'm going to follow that fully, man, my life is going to be just up and down and all over the place all the time. Whereas I need to understand that, okay, this is an emotion that I feel I'm feeling, but really how does it weigh in on the life that I live now? And how do I combat, you know, going too far with this emotion with a principle of my life? And so I would I would suggest to men that however you do it. And for me, I was it was counseling just to go and begin to express some of these things that you're feeling and the right person can go. Well, what's this and how's that? But we have to be able to name these things, because I was thinking about when your wife asked you, you know, what is that? The fact that you're not able to tell her. And, and I and I probably wouldn't be either. But the fact that you're not able to tell her, like she's missing something that you owe her. Yeah. She she's going, hey, tell me more. I want to be involved in this. I want to understand this. And you don't have the words or the ability or maybe we haven't done the homework to be able to express what it is that we're feeling. So we're keeping a part of ourselves from people around us when we're not able to name those emotions. Her greatest desire is for me to sit down and express to her exactly what I'm feeling right now in the moment and to be honest about it. And there are moments where I'm like, I'm not feeling anything. Yeah. And those are legitimate. But no, actually, she'll bring she'll be like, actually, you are. <laughs> oh, really? And, and I, I'd finally realize like, oh, OK, so this is how I feel. And she's like, well, you should have, you know, I'm glad that you told me that. Yeah. But yeah, it's so, so difficult. I think, yeah, I really think, you know, when Stephen talks about the control room, right, I feel like that's I don't want to say it's homework for you guys out there, but like that's something that I highly recommend that you start doing that practice of going to a place, what he means by control room is that you find a place where in your imagination and your thoughts, you can go, you can examine your life and everything that's going on. And he said, in your control room, understand what you're, what you're feeling emotionally, like uh, how, think about how you operate emotionally and then realize how you can live your life where you can enjoy your emotions while they're under the fortress of your principles. Man, that's great. Yeah. Enjoying your emotions. While keeping them under the the fortress of your principles, the fortress of your principles. Well, that's that's about it. But I just wanted to encourage you that learning to navigate this space between your principles and your emotions, and being led by your principles and guided by your emotions, is one of the great arts of manhood.
To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your man's event, go to greatman.tv. There, you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production. Yeah.